in three, two, one. If you're currently a leader in your organization or want to be a leader or a business owner, developing your leadership skills and focusing on what is important and how to prosper is always a priority. My guest today, author, speaker, and corporate consultant, Denise Galoni, is here with us to talk about how to find your voice, the five keys to lead and empower others. Well, hi, Denise. Welcome to the program. We're really delighted to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Well, we're excited about the subject matter, too. Where are we talking to you from? Where are you at today? I am in Bethel Park, which is near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Well, you've got good sports teams out of Pennsylvania there in Pittsburgh. We so do. <laughs> pretty much every, every sport covered. Well, let's jump right into it. Now, how did an Edgewood High School grad go from being voted the quietest girl in your senior class to author, a speaker, and a business consultant to major corporations, small, medium, and large? How did you make that transition? That's a funny story, Michael. And that's actually, everyone that I graduated with had that same question. I went to a very small school. Yep. There's about 80 people in my class, so really small. And I was the quietest girl in class because I never said a word, never said a word. Just quiet the whole time. Quiet the whole time. Quiet in the whole time. In fact, I went to a high school reunion 15 years later and people didn't remember me. Aww. There was 80 of us. That's... That just shows you. I just really blended in with the wall. Right. And then once I graduated, I went straight into the workforce and started working. And then I realized you just can't be that way. In school, it's okay. But people were passing me by for promotions. And I just wasn't getting those opportunities. So I knew I had to somehow come out of my shell a little bit. And over time, I did that. Did you have siblings? Where are you in the food chain there? I have a younger sister. But yes, yeah, so I was always, always very shy, very shy. So then once I started working, I knew that something had to change. Right. And then when I went back to that 15-year reunion, people didn't recognize me. I was the quietest girl. There was a quietest boy in the class also. Of course, a grown boy. And he actually sat with us and he never said a word the whole night. Oh, and no. I thought, that has to change. I can't be this way. Yeah. When I'm 50 years old and still be the quietest one, right. it's, just, it's just not going to work. But throughout the years, I started just, again, finding my voice, speaking up a little bit more, gaining more confidence. I went and received my bachelor's degree in business, decided I want a master's degree in professional training. Goodness. So from being the quietest girl to stand up in front of a room, it took some work. Well, and you went backwards too. You left high school and then you immediately worked and went to school at night. So you were really pulling double duty too. Right. It took me about seven years to get my bachelor's degree. I did it at night, two classes a night. Wow. Well, it sounds like high school. That was the best seven years of my life. No, it was. <laughs> I was always the noisiest one. Okay, okay. I was your antithesis. So no, I went through in normal timeframes. So then you went through, got your degrees, went to night school. So you're really pulling double duty down there. Yeah. And you got your degree and was it in management or business administration? It was business administration. Excellent. And where'd you end up going from there? I kept working, yep. kept working the whole time. And then I always went to my master's degree. I thought I'll take some time off. Right. Because it was rough going at night. Sure. And that took years off before I decided to go back. And I decided to go back and I wanted something different. I didn't want an MBA. Right. At the time, the Masters of Science Professional Leadership came about. Mm -hmm. A new field at the time. This is back in dating myself in 93 okay. is when I, when I graduated with that. And I had a focus on professional leadership and training and development. And then I moved into the training and development field. Never okay. looked back. Well, excellent. We're glad you chose that. And when you choose your path, there's lots of directions to go to and you're still young and you're trying to decide where you're going to go now. Why did you write the book, Find Your Voice, The Five Keys to Lead and Empower Others? Did you have an audience in mind when you wrote it? Throughout the years, I received a lot of questions from people, especially whenever I'm presenting and I go into corporations and do corporate training. 
So I hear from a lot of executives that just have issues. It could be communication issues. And people don't realize that when people are at a certain level, you really can't go to people when you have problems. Right. You don't want to lose credibility in your corporation. So there's really no one to talk to. So I started hearing all these stories from executives that they weren't sure. They were afraid to get in front of someone and speak. Or they didn't have the confidence. And now they're in this position that what do they do? So over the years, I just kept hearing this and I decided to write the book. Find your voice, and voice is an acronym, which I'll go into in a minute, are the five keys to lead and empower others. Now, I do say the audience, because this is a leadership book, you do not have to be a leader. Like per Everyone's se, a leader. Depends you know, on what leader. you're doing, right? Yeah. Everyone's a leader. Yeah. Everyone's a leader. Whether you own your own business, whether you just work in a company, everyone's a leader. So this book really applies to everybody, not just people in the C-suite. It's anyone can benefit from this book. Sure. When I first saw the title of it, Find Your Voice, there's a lot of referencing to the Me Too movement. And I was looking at it and going, all right, is this applying for women? I have five daughters. And so a lot of times, because business is still corporately, we have a lot of male-dominated executives, and it's still not an equitable situation. I thought, well, Find Your Voice is obviously, it's got to be about women, because I know you had a women's TV program as well. But then as I dived into it, and I realized, oh, no, this is for everybody. Everybody needs to find their voice, male or female. And for women, especially in today's world, as they're evolving, and at least men are getting out of the way, or we're getting diversity, equity, and inclusion Absolutely. Sure. Which And it's about time, I might add. Yes, definitely about time. And we still have a long way to go. But I think the the principle of it, and we'll get into the acronym of it that you've created for it. So let's say I'm a leader or an aspiring leader or I'm running my own business and I read your book and I apply the principles that you're teaching. I apply what's inside the book. What should be my outcome? Well, I want to say too, and, and people make this mistake whenever they try to improve or change things. You can't change everything overnight. Right. So again, this is an acronym. There's five components, five keys. Focus on one. And the way I wrote the book is you can jump around the book. You don't have to read it from cover to cover. Right. If you're having an issue with, say, confidence, you can read that section on confidence. So what a leader picks up this book and reads it, they'll find strength and practical tips to become a better leader, either a better communicator or a better leader when leadership leading your teams. Right. Or just finding the confidence inside yourself is what I did. Well, it's nice. You can use it as a reference book. Now, you talked about communication, a lot of communication issues with inside of leadership. And I think a lot of our problems stem from that. So in your work, you've talked about communication issues in leadership, and that's one of the first places you kind of go look. How do I know as a leader within an organization that I have a problem with communication? Most of the time, the problem does stem from communication. When I get into the corporation and I really start digging into some of the issues that are having, they stem from communication. Right. It could be that the managers and leaders do not have the information flow downwards to the people that work for them. They think, well, we don't have all the answers. We're not tell them anything. And people know when there's something going on. It could be that people lose trust in their leadership, and that really causes a whole plethora of issues. Sure. So usually communication is really something to focus on. And when you identify these issues, do you have remedies for handling each of those different types of issues or do you use it in a workshop format? Is it a consultative process? Are you working with HR? Is there steps to fixing those problems? Normally, whenever I do find the problem, then I work with it's usually customized to that organization, sure. how to fix a problem. And, and it's usually training, training for some of the leaders, training for some of the executives, and then of course, training for some of the employees to help it all work together and pull together. And it's probably important to have buy-in from the top too, isn't it? Every level of the organization. Yeah, everybody's got to be in on that. Now, in your book, you use the acronym VOICE, V-O-I-C-E. Let's talk about that. Because I am a speaker, people think voice is actually public speaking. 
so I came up with the acronym VOICE Voice. V is vision. We always have to have a vision. Leaders have to have a vision. And I give the example. If you decide that it's time for you to go on vacation, you're not just going to jump in the car that day, just go. Right. But you have to plan. I'm going to Disneyland. I need to do this. I need to get these things. I want to have a schedule. So you have to have a vision. And as a leader, you always have to have a vision no matter what the task is. There has to be a vision. You have to know that outcome. Well, you say in your book that leaders must look at the whole journey of where they're going before attempting to begin the process. So use a vacation. And I'd have to put a caveat to that unless you're on a motorcycle. And a car is going from A to B, but on a motorcycle, we're going, we're going to head to Daytona from Phoenix, but we might not get there. And we're subject to detours a lot, but I get what you're saying. So once you get that vision and that process, it's a matter of then seeing it from the beginning to the end and start with that end in mind as uh, Stephen Covey was taught, right? Well, how important in vision, like a lot of companies have visions or haven't really defined that. What do you find in your experience? Do they have a very clearly identified vision or is it kind of an evolving one or is it moving around a lot? Of course, they do change a little bit. They shift a little bit as you start moving towards that vision. The problem I find is people don't share that vision. Right. We don't tell people, this is from A to Z, what's going to happen. We feel that leaders tell people, okay, you're going to focus, Michael, on steps G, H, I, J. And you have no idea how all that fits together. The big picture. The big picture, the big vision. So you really have to get that buy-in from the people on your team, what that vision is, and to work towards that vision. And then, of course, adjust it as you need. Do you find that the, particularly in light of where we had the pandemic, where five-year plans, it's almost crazy to go five years out. You can kind of have a sense of where you're going, but too many things can jump in here and bite you. And we'll be talking about obstacles and how they can make you change course and direction. But so do you see visions shortening the cycle for visions or imagining the vision or communicating the vision? Are you seeing the timelines on those change at all? Yes. And especially with vision. I mean, you can have long vision, long goals, and you can have short ones. A short vision. It could just be a project. It could be something, a major vision. It's going to take years to do. But you brought up a great point with the whole pandemic. That changed the way we think about things. Absolutely. Because the whole world has changed. I think it accelerated everything. Like what we used to talk about as speakers prior to the pandemic, we would say, look, here are people to ask, what do you think the trends are 10 years from now to assist them in their vision? And I would tell them now, whatever we came up with that 10 years from now, it's here now. So it's been accelerated. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Yeah, shorten the cycle. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? Active Campaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e commerce, B2C, and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. Active Campaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose Active Campaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. Now, back to my conversation with Denise Galoni. Now, how do you create a vision if you don't have one? That's a great question. So to create a vision, first of all, you want to know what is the outcome? What do you need to do? If it's a specific task, what do you need to do? And then the vision is, okay, I want to have 
this done. I want to make sure that we increase our revenue by 10%. That's the vision. That's what we need to do. Right. Okay. So how do we do that? Then you start looking at, okay, then how do we plan that? How do we get to that vision? And that, that's when you start breaking it down. Into the strategies and the tactics that are going to get yes. us there. And then we're talking about goals and, and plans and all that. Well, and yes. you talk about plan A, B, C, and we'll talk about that as far as obstacles you run into. How important, Denise, are the organization's values to their overall vision? They're very important. And you'd be surprised that people don't know their organization's values, mission statements. Right. Very important. You have to always consider that because, again, that's your company's reputation. See, they have values. You want to make sure that all those visions align with those values and yet you're heading in the right direction. I can't tell you how many CEOs desks I've sat in front of and the vision statement or the mission statement sits right behind them. And I ask them without looking to tell me what it is. And 99% of them can't. They just right. can't. They have to turn around and they go, oh, good question. And they're embarrassed. But And I said, well, I don't mean to embarrass you, but if I ask any of your people, what do you suppose the odds are of people being able to tell us what the vision or mission is? And, right. and it goes to your point of not clarifying or communicating on a repetitive process. So it has to be part of everything that we do. So I like it. The O stands for overcoming hmm. obstacles. Let's talk about that. Overcoming obstacles. Now you have your vision. Right. You know what you want to have. I could guarantee you, Michael, things will happen. Obstacles are going to come up. People always say, well, have a plan B. I have a plan B, C, D, E, and F because things come up. Yeah, absolutely. Again, going back to pandemic, who would have thought that would happen? You talk about having multiple plans. Like most of us are good for a plan A and then a plan B. But right. if you keep coming, all the possible contingencies. And I was reading one of my favorite authors is Ryan Holiday. He wrote the book, The Daily Stoic. He wrote Obstacles Are the Way. And Obstacles are the way, which comes from right. 2,000 years ago. We're talking philosophers, Greek philosophers come out with this concept. And when an obstacle is put in front of us, they said, that's the way. Go look in, at work at overcoming that obstacle. That's where the right. creativity, the innovation goes. And you kind of echo those sentiments from 2,000 years ago where don't don't run from them. Don't run from them. Welcome. Yeah, they're going to happen. Embrace them. It's yeah, happen. embrace them and make them work because they the leaders got to look at that whole journey, but then they have to understand there's going to be obstacles on their roadmap, right? right? So they have a plan B or C or D. So you talk about those give life meaning. And as long as you're on the face of this earth, you're going to keep facing challenges. So it's up to us to change our perspectives and deal with the obstacles with the right mindset. So it's right. either they become your stepping stones or your stumbling blocks, right? Right. And not all obstacles are bad. No. It's just people think obstacles is, is the negative. It's not, not all obstacles are bad. They could make you go into a different direction and you end up with even a better outcome than you anticipated. Sure. Well, when you, well, it's interesting you say that. It's, I remember when COVID hit, you're a professional speaker, as we both are, and all the gigs canceled the minute. Canceled. Everything just canceled. You immediately lost your salary and there was no remote working. I mean, you could do virtuals, but that took a while to get there because everybody it took was, a while to get started, right? Everybody was in panic mode. Yeah. And we still had a team to feed. But it forced us to come up with new alternatives to generate revenue streams that supported it that we now have in place. And so now bookings are back online again. We're getting bookings and as a speaker, but now we've created something else that we would have never have created or looked at had that not happened. So right. we need time and distance to see whether it was a good obstacle or a bad obstacle. So if we, what you're saying is if we go into it with, hey, obstacles are just the way yeah, we're, right. we're, we're going to see them exactly. How do we, what, what's, what's the learning here? It's like, remember Edison, what's the story with him? He, he said, I didn't fail a thousand times. He said, I learned 999 times how it wouldn't work. Right. right. So you've got the perseverance and the resilience. Do you have a process for overcoming obstacles when you work with your clients, you know, that unleash that creativity, if you will? We usually do brainstorming. 
what could possibly happen? Like right. think, think of the worst. What is the worst thing that could happen here? What is the worst outcome that could happen? And then once you start doing that and start talking about all the different obstacles, then you realize, okay, these little obstacles, they're not as bad. Right. We, we can never just, what if this happens? So if we do some brainstorming, tell me everything you think that might happen. Okay. So if this does happen, what do we do? Right. Have a plan for each of those contingencies. Have a, have a plan. It doesn't have to be a very detailed plan, but at least you're not, oh my gosh, this happened. What do I do? Right. You're not surprised, but it's almost an expectation of the obstacle and go, okay, yeah, we covered that one. We thought about that one, those contingencies. It's almost like when we think of our special forces. They plan for everything. Every contingency possible. They have all kinds of escape routes, if you will. And right. it makes sense for corporations and individuals to have escape routes as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes sense. Inspire is the I in voice. Now you talk about leaders inspire those around them, or they yes. should, and not they to should. fall into the trap of not encouraging the team to learn more and bring ideas to you, but inspire them and help develop their skills. Talk a little bit more about how leaders can inspire. Anyone that's listening to this, Michael, has had great managers, great leaders, and a manager and leader, two different things, and also bad ones, ones that weren't so effective. You always, as a leader, try to inspire and help your people and your team grow. Only good things will happen from that team growing professionally and even personally on your team. So I don't like that when leaders try to hold their people back, not tell them information. They try to keep people working in silos so they don't know what's going on. I don't like that at all. I think you should always inspire everyone around you, Mm -hmm. whether it's your team or not. I try to inspire everyone that I talk to. I would never say, well, I don't want to tell you this because I don't want you to know that. Right. We're both speakers. I would never say, well, I don't want to tell you like my tricks, Michael, because what if you get my booking? That's crazy. There's enough for everybody to go around. So I think you should always try to inspire as much as you can. Inspire and and empower people. And you can quietly inspire. As a matter of fact, a lot of times it's the purpose. It's sharing the purpose. When people understand the purpose, that's inspiring, right? Or you give them tools to help inspire them. Are there some ways we can inspire an organization? Do we inspire an organization the same as we would inspire an individual? Basically, I think yes. I had to think about that for a second. Individual. Yeah. Again, it doesn't have to be a grandiose gesture. It could be something, hey, you did a really nice job on this, Michael. Or if I asked you to do something and you don't do it the correct way, what was your thought process? Why did you come up with this way? Not immediately say, well, this isn't what I wanted. Because what you did Maybe a great way is going to help us move forward in that vision. I think you should always try to inspire people. I was thinking about this word within the acronym itself, inspiring, and I'm curious about your thoughts on a few elements of that. So, for instance, when we go to inspire, I always begin with that end in mind. One of the things I ask clients is, we've achieved our goals. We've achieved the goals and what the objectives are. Say you were going to a conference or an event. What do you want your audience saying or doing or feeling when they leave the event? And they'll tell me, what does it look like when it's completed? How are you feeling? Because I want them to see that vision. They have to see that end in mind. We watch the Winter Olympics and you watch the bobsled and the luge guys and the cameras cut to them. But before they do their runs, you always see them doing this little bob with their heads, right? They're visualizing the course. They envision that course. And we've talked about that on other episodes, but they're actually seeing that into mind. They see themselves doing it. Because if they can't see it happening, they're not going to achieve it, right? Right. You have to see see the journey. You talk about this too. You call it the giving them the why. And Simon Sinek in his book, Start With Why, when he's talking about products companies. And then as I've listened to some of the work that you've done, where you talk about, well, why? And I thought that's a great probing question 
Why mm-hmm. should I do this? Give us an example of why and keep asking why. Right. I use that exercise a lot, especially if I'm speaking in front of women for some reason. This is an issue a lot with women. Hmm. And people will say to me, well, I can never do what you do. I can never get in front of someone and speak. And I said, well, we're all public speakers. Right. We all speak to people in public. You may not be on a stage in front of a whole group, but we're all speaking to somebody. But when they say they can never do that, I always say, start with why. Now, I don't have any children, but you said you have children. We do. People listening may have children. Children always ask why. They'll ask why 15 times until you're like, oh my gosh, it's because I say so. Exhaustingly. (laughs) Why? Right. Why? Right. Yeah. As adults, we don't do that. So I always give the example. If you say to me, okay, I'm afraid to speak in front of people. Why? Well, it just makes me really uncomfortable. Why? Because... I start shaking and I have a hard time breathing. Why? Just keep drilling as far down. Why? 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 Till you get to the root of the problem. We can handle any problem. We can fix a problem, but you have to know what that problem is. Your problem's not speaking in front of people. It may be that you don't want someone to think that you're a know-it-all. That's come up when I've done this exercise with people. Or look foolish or, or look foolish you know, say the wrong or, thing. Are incredible or don't have the authority. You're suffering from imposter syndrome. And I think you've talked about that in previous interviews where I've listened yes. to you, where you even writing your own book, that was a bit of a, a juggle for you. Tell us about it, that and how you applied that rule to this to solve the problem. Right. I, I guess absolutely. The imposter syndrome. Right. I was writing the book and the first thing I thought was, who am I to write a book? Yeah, right. Who's going to listen to me? Like, who cares what I have to say? Who am I to actually write a book? Right. And then it was actually people around me. And I have a wonderful tribe of people that I relate to and encouragement. And they kept saying, well, look at all you've done. Well, I haven't done anything really. And they're like, oh my gosh, look at the journey you've taken and look at how many presentation you've done in front of people. And you have a TV show and you have all these things. And so then I started thinking, okay, I have done a few things. I have done a few things. Right. So I got rid of that imposter syndrome. And when you came from your background in high school, where you went to your first reunion and people didn't know who you were out of a small school, they're like, who are you? Or the captain of the football team comes up and goes, hey, where's your husband? Thinking you married one of his buddies. Or, right. Yeah. You, oh, I can't wait to catch up with your husband. And then I love the follow-up when you went to the next one. <laughs> I walked into that room and it was your room. You own that room. They oh, made, I own that room. Yeah. I absolutely own that room. Yeah, that's awesome. And that just shows the possibilities of our own personal evolution and overcoming those fears. But by right. asking the whys and getting down to the root of it, you can then solve that problem. So be curious about yourself and what's the real motivation behind it because it might not be anything you're thinking it is on the surface right can i do tell that story about walking in and owning that room just to show people i had to do that for me i had to do that for me the people that didn't know me everyone knew me when i left that room it's a great feeling yeah good for you you have to do it for you and have that confidence we'll talk about confidence because that's going to be a big part of it so when it comes to inspiring we want to give them the why and ask the why we want to communicate frequently with our people so keep the communication lines open we want to solicit feedback is inspirational when we actually respect their opinions and their perspectives doesn't mean we have to agree but listen to them set some goals that are kind of fun and focus on the goals at hand and then celebrate along the way and Absolutely. So, you have to have celebrations. Yeah, I think celebrations are a big part of it. Well, let's move on to the, the letter C. So confidence. Leaders show confidence even if they're not feeling confident. And being the leader means you may not have all the answers, but you're confident you and your team will figure them out. So right. tell me the story on confidence and why do we struggle with it? And this is something that leaders do struggle with, confidence. They feel that they don't have all the answers. No one has all the answers. I've been in front of a room training or doing a workshop. And someone asked me a question that I've never even thought of. I don't have that answer. That happens. I'm sure it's happening to you too, as a speaker. Someone will ask a question that you haven't even thought about. You're thinking, I never thought about Nothing wrong with saying, that's a great question. I don't know that answer. Yeah. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. 
It's hard to say that. It's yeah. really hard because you think you're losing credibility, but right. you're not. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. I don't know, but I'll get back to you. Or, hey, I'm not sure. What have you considered so far? Absolutely. Yeah. And when that happens, what I usually say, Michael, is that is a really great question. In fact, I have never been asked that question before. So kudos to you for thinking that. I don't have an mm. answer for you, but I will get an answer. And I'll put it on my social media tomorrow or report back to the event coordinator and they can send that answer out to you. So I will get you an answer for that question. That makes a person feel great. Absolutely. Why do you suppose we all suffer from that lack? And and we all do at different levels. The people you see where they're a little on the, we would say they're arrogant or they're egocentric. A lot of times it's a mask. A lot of times behind the scenes, they're actually insecure. And it's the opposite of what you're saying. So they're fake it till you make it. They're Make it till you make it, right? They're posing, right? First of all, why do you think we have a problem with confidence? Does it come from our early development? Is it was it our parents, the way we were raised or that environment? Is it just things we go through teenage years, which are difficult years, and maybe we had acne or maybe we had a speech impediment? All of those variables go into our shaping our confidence, don't you think? Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think sometimes we all have some incident that something happened that shook our confidence. For some reason, that stays in the front of your mind. I had one terrible, horrible presentation, and it was years ago. I've had hundreds since then, but that one always sticks in my mind. For some reason, I just can't shake that one, that bad experience. And I think we all have that. It does. It shakes our confidence a little bit. I think that as subject matter experts, we think that people look to us to have all the answers. And we feel that we should have all the answers. Someone's bringing me in. I should have all the answers. I should know all this. No one has all the answers. And I think sometimes... It could be ego. Right. We don't want to admit that we don't know everything. Right. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. And I know, personally speaking, I've always acted confidently and when I'm in front of the room. And what's yes. funny is we've talked about in other episodes, introverts and extroverts. Yeah. And I've always viewed myself as an extrovert, but when I'm by myself, I'm actually more introverted. And right. when I'm on stage or performing, then I'm turning it on. The switch is on and it's a safe mode for me. If all of a sudden you get me to do something outside that comfort zone, like I get asked sometimes, hey, can you emcee the banquet? And I want to say yes, but inside I'm just churning going, oh man, I'm not an emcee. I can get up and do my bit, but I don't want to necessarily do other functions, right? And based on our previous experiences, so if you had a bad performance, it's tough to shake it. But when it sits in your mindset, right, it's part of it. And it's good you say that because even from an inspirational point of view, before I ever get on stage, I always take a few minutes and envision the day I nailed it. Standing ovation, the audience loved it. And I try and get myself in that mindset versus the other because it definitely does have an impact. Oh, it does, right. And it's interesting because you can see it. And this is where obstacles show up. If you watch sports teams and you see a lot of the playoffs, I remember watching where a team might be up with two minutes left and maybe it gets to the New England Patriots and Tom Brady's now got the ball and he's behind, (laughs) but it's Tom Brady and he starts marching up the field. And even though the other team is in the lead, you can watch the bench and you can see that confidence draining from their faces. Right, this is Tom Brady. Yeah, right. and they're already getting beat. They're beating themselves mentally before they ever even get started. I remember watching the Stanley Cup playoffs with Tampa Bay and the Colorado Avalanche. And there was only like two shots in net in the whole third period. And Tampa was doing phenomenal. They were on their way to win the third straight Stanley Cup championship. But Colorado kept just shutting them down and you could just see the confidence waning And so it happens to the best of the best. It happens to all of us. So how do we protect our confidence then? You brought up a great point. And I always tell people this. So I could be standing behind, getting ready to walk on that stage. And I might be feeling, maybe I'm having a bad day. Maybe I don't feel well. Right. I mean, it's it's professional. We have to be there. 
So there's been times that I haven't felt well, but I still have to walk out there and give it my right. 125% because people pay. You can't be sick. So You've got to show up. You can't up. be sick. No. Not, not for that time that you're in front of someone. You can't be sick. So as you're back there trying to, again, gather your confidence, or maybe it's a topic you're not as familiar with as some of your other topics, and you're you're looking out there thinking, oh my gosh, all these people, they may have questions because you're going to have maybe a Q&A. What if they ask me something? Right. So what I do is I just flip that switch. I'm like, okay, I'm in that mode now. So no matter what happened, it's going to be back there whenever I'm done. Right I'm going to walk out on that stage. I'm going to give the best presentation that I can give, whether there's five people sitting there, because maybe a lot of people didn't show up. We've all had that happen. Absolutely. Thank goodness for family. Yep. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. We've all had that happen. Yeah. You walk out there, expect to see all this group, and there's five people sitting there. Hey, mom, what did you think of my presentation? She goes, you still have work today. Keep going. Yeah. Right, right. right. Why did you say that? (laughs) Yeah. But those five people, they're going to get that same presentation from me if there's 5,000 people in that room. Right. I would never want someone to say, oh, wow, that was just really bad. You want to show up. You show up no matter what. If there's one or 1,000, you show up for that and give the best performance. Absolutely. And it can be disheartening when you're expecting a certain response. Now, how does negative language and negative self-talk come into our confidence? How does that affect it? We all have that. Right. Some people have more than others, but we all have that. I call that that white noise in our head. Right. Again, the presentation I had was so terrible. Like, what if that happens again? Like, what if I walk out there and I ask a question and no one says the word? Again, crickets, that's the worst. Yeah. Put your hand up and no one puts their hand up. And everyone's looking around and you're thinking, oh. Or you told something and you expected some response and you didn't get that. I'll usually ask an audience, I'll say, show of hands, how many of you are actually still in the room? And just to see if they're paying attention. So what we say to ourselves matters and and we'll get into it. And I think how we present ourselves matters too, right? How important is our persona, our branding, the way we dress? And let me just set the stage this way. I remember I wore a suit with cufflinks and a tie and I was that speaker, business speaker for years. And then once I got a little older and more confident with what I'm doing, I'm watching Steve Jobs and with a pair of jeans and I'll wear a nice pair of dress slacks and Uh a shirt, open shirt, but I'm not wearing the big power suit anymore. Right. And things have changed. Things have changed. Yeah. And the pandemic helped with that too. I mean, I don't wear Lululemons on stage, but hey, I'm definitely more relaxed, more comfortable, which has right. impacted the response as well because the audience Absolutely. is more relaxed. So Absolutely. if you're relaxed and I think it matters, I know you've talked about, for instance, whether you're giving a sales pitch, whether you're trying to get investors, you can use a podium and you can white knuckle the podium or you can move away from the podium and engage. I always stay away from the podium just because I find it a barrier. And often I'll even come off the stage and go work in the audience. I've done that too. Yeah, I start off that way and that even turns out better. It's kind of like going to a concert when the band comes into the crowd and starts playing from inside there. It just creates a better connection, I think, right? So I tell people, you don't want to stand there and talk at people. That's right. If I'm standing behind a lectern and if you have a lot of notes or you need to refer to something, absolutely, I've done that. But I like to walk away from the podium and just talk with people. Right. I want to have that great chemistry with people. I want to have them think, oh, she's approachable. Right. She's human. She's She's human. Yeah. She's human, right? Do I make mistakes? Sure. We all make mistakes. And if you're prepared, the confidence is going to be there. So you should only talk about what you know. And if you don't know, say, hey, I'm learning like you are. And often by teaching is how you learn the best anyway. About positive affirmations, are you a fan of those at all? Or I am am, statements? Or me too. Tell me how you apply those and how you've seen the benefit. I'm really big on gratitude. I got out of the habit. I need to get back into this of every morning getting up and writing down three things that I'm grateful for. And I keep that in a journal, write down the three things that I'm grateful for. And it could be the same three right. things, you know, my health, my family, the same three things. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Well, yeah, I drink that, coffee. That's okay. <laughs> caffeine, caffeine, caffeine. That's right. But sometimes it varies. I'm grateful that I'm, I'm on this podcast with you today, meeting you, being on this podcast and maybe helping one person that's listening to this. It's worth it. Right. 
it's, it's worth it. So I'm always very big on positivity, read positive books, positive quotes, very big. I'm always telling myself, got this, you got this, you got this. Always give positivity. I try not to be negative at all. Right. Sometimes it slips in there because again, we're human. Well, it's tough. And as moms and dads and husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends and partners and as employers and leaders within organizations, our job is to protect the confidence of those we serve. And so we look at the media today and there's just so much negativity. I look at the headlines, make sure we woke up and we still got something going, but two minutes and I'm off of it. And onto something else. I have a ritual I do, and I start with gratitude too. I journal mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for is the first question. And right, we, when we come from gratitude, it tends to put you into a positive mindset, as you've said, and then you spiral up. Everything kind of goes up from there. I was have a nice little steam shower after a workout, and then I go through a series of I am statements. Yeah. And a lot of times I don't feel that way. I'm irritated or irritable or just grumpy, period, or whatever. Maybe the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. But as I get through the I am statements, it changes. That mindset changes. And I try and say them out loud because I hear it, my mind heard it, and now we show up with some positivity. Because like you said, the obstacles are going to show up. So how we approach those challenges and obstacles is going to make all the difference. Right. There's nothing you can do to things that happen. It's your reaction that you can control. Exactly. That's the, the only thing we can control. Now, the last one I really like, the E stands for enthusiasm. So always be enthusiastic. People don't want to work around for someone who displays negativity and always, right. always they don't want the schlep rocks in their life, right? So I how, call it the Eeyore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you create an atmosphere of positivity in yourself from an enthusiasm point of view and the organization? Because we know it is contagious. It is. Absolutely. No one wants to be around someone that's negative. Sometimes you're forced, if you're in a working environment, you're forced to be around those people, but it just really just drains you. Drains the whole team. It just drains you. So being positive, being enthusiastic, and I always say, don't be an Eeyore. Anyone that watches Way the Pooh, woe is me. Always this. No one wants to be around that. Yeah. So try to be positive, even if you don't feel positive. Again, there's days that I don't feel positive. I have something going on, but no one would ever know that. No one would ever know that I have something going on because they don't need to know that. I'm here to do my job, to speak in front of people or do my job. And they don't need to know I don't feel well. They don't need to know I have something going on or I had a fight with my husband. They don't need to know any of that stuff. So I always try to be positive. I'm always like this. It drives people crazy. Now, I'm not raw, raw cheerleader kind of person. I'm not that person at all. Right. I'm not that. But always try to be positive as much as possible. And you and, always have to be enthusiastic. Yeah, I like the word enthusiasm. I like to take the last four letters of the word I-A-S-M for I am sold myself. Okay. And so whatever the initiative is, hey, I'm sold on this myself because now I'm jacked about it. If I'm not sold myself as a leader on the initiative, it could be the vision. They see it. People can see it. But it becomes contagious when you're sold. And so if you don't believe in it, get a vision that you can believe in. So I think that matters. No, I love the acronym. So we've got voice and it's a great acronym. Were there some letters that don't fit into the acronym, but could have or been other areas that we can focus on as leaders to finding our voice? Well, definitely communication, C. I couldn't fit another C in there, but communication. I went with confidence and said, I was going to go with self-confidence, but that didn't fit. So I went with confidence and also empower power. It's kind of like inspire, but empower is a little bit different that you're actually, you're giving people the voice to do it themselves, empowering them, telling them they can do it. So I think empower is a very strong word. And that's why I have the title of my book, The Five Keys to Lead and Empower Others. So I did get that in there a little bit. You snuck it in. That's good. I I snuck it in there a little bit. I did. Well, the book's a simple read. It's a good must for managers just before you even get into an organization or you're not sure of yourself or you don't have that confidence. Right. And I know 
from a confidence point of view and building confidence, everything stems from that and how we view ourselves in our own mindsets. And you and I have something in common, but I know you're a continuous learner. And Absolutely. I, I totally get that. And for me, that's what empowers my confidence. I set aside 90 minutes to two hours. I'm a 5 a.m. guy, but it's for R&D, research and development. Mm-hmm. So I have my own R&D department, which is me. And I'm always reading and writing notes and studying. And one of the things I love doing for the podcast is it causes me to research the subject matter. And we spend hours looking into what you're doing, what you're writing, and how did you get that thought? And for instance, even if you quote somebody in your book, I'm going to go get that book too. I want to see the thread. I want to know how you came up with what you came up with. What are you focused on learning these days? Do you have a direction you're going or how do you determine what you are going to focus on from a learning point? Right now, I'm really focusing on more business books, building my business. So I think there's always ways to do that. And I laugh when I first decided I was going to start my own business, DG Trang Solutions Incorporated. Right. I thought, well, it can't be that hard starting a business. I have a business degree. My husband's an MBA. How hard could it be starting your business? We don't know the things that we don't know. Right. But always reading, always doing personal and professional development. Because I think both are important. Yeah, I agree. The balance is going to be important. Well, Denise, this has just been amazing. Our time's come to an end here, but the book is Find Your Voice, Five Keys to Lead and Empower Others. Excellent read. And they can order from your website and all the information. We'll have all of that in the show notes. They can give you a call. And I'm assuming there's a complimentary consult where they can decide if you're you're a fit fit for each other. Awesome. Well, this was absolutely delightful. Thanks for sharing some of your insights with us. And I'm sure our listeners will find a lot of value. Thank you so much for having, having me on the podcast, Michael. And if anyone has any questions, they can always reach out to me. I'm always available to help inspire and empower everybody. You're awesome. All right. Well, again, we'll put all that in the show notes so they'll be able to reach out to you. Thanks again, Denise. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Beth Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting.